as you turn to Revelation chapter 20, I was looking at uh, stuff just in the earlier book of Revelation. One reason I had um, Robbie read Revelation chapter 1. We're in Revelation 20, and I'll begin in just a moment in reading in verse 1. But Jesus speaks to, you know, this, this book was written. The book of Revelation was the revelation of Christ, and Christ gave it to John. Now, he did it through an angel sometimes, and... Uh, but, but it's, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, and again, he's given it to John. But when you get to Revelation 2 and 3, this, was, this revelation was for the churches. You do realize that, that and, and we know from reading the text, we even talked about this several months ago, that there were seven churches that this letter, this revelation was going to go to. And so this message was sent to seven separate churches without looking, what was the first church that was on the list? You better look. I'm just kidding. Remember this. Now, it's very important. Ephesus, right? Which was, it, that was an extremely important church in Asia. And, and that's the same church. John, by the way, had pastored there later in his life. Also, that's the place that Paul stayed the longest. And can somebody tell me how long Paul stayed in Ephesus? Three years, which was extremely a long time. The next closest to that was, was Corinth, which he stayed a year and a half in Corinth. But anyway, but of the seven churches that Jesus spoke to, now again, this is a revelation. Let's say just to round it off, it's in 95 A.D. that Jesus gives John the revelation. He's, he's, he's exiled on an island about 40 miles off the coast, being punished for being a believer, preaching the gospel. The Roman Empire has persecuted him. And he gets this revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this revelation, it's for the seven churches, and then Jesus gives the message to all seven churches. That's Revelation 2 and 3. We've studied that, but when we get through, we're going to go back and look at it one more time. But of those seven churches, now this is in 95 A.D., the church has been in existence, let's just say, 60 years. Basically, Jesus condemns five of the seven. Five of the seven. And basically, if it wasn't for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, they would have been they would have taken off the face of the earth. But he, he rebukes and really condemns five. This is in 95 A.D. He, he rebukes and condemns five of the seven churches. So, folks, we are naive if we think we've arrived. If it's 2,000 years later, if the early church survived, uh, uh, struggled with holiness and righteousness and biblical obedience, we, too, struggle with those same things. So we would have to admit that we're not the church that God has called us to be, but we should want to be the church that God's called us to be. Now, the logic this morning of going from Revelation 12, which is the Satan and his fall, kicked out of heaven, and all that, about the middle of the tribulation, in chapter 13, meeting the Antichrist, and then meeting the false prophets, knowing that they're going to be helping, they're going to be helping Satan rule the world during the tribulation. Uh, going to Revelation 20 is kind of the end of the story. Revelation 20 is really like heaven 101. It's what we've been living for. It's it's why we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's why we're faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. He, God, in God's word, it implies and, and intends for us to want reward. 
are working for rewards. And many of those rewards are going to be manifested in what is known as the millennial kingdom. You've heard probably all your life about a thousand year reign. This is the passage that deals with the, the thousand year reign of Christ. Now, by the way, in the passage itself, it mentions, the Bible mentions six times that there's a thousand year reign. Now, I'm going to, because there, now folks, more, listen to me, more than half of evangelical Christians, okay, or Protestants, more than half of Protestant Christianity do not believe in a thousand year literal reign of Christ. Now, did you hear what I said? We're called, we, we're, pre, we're pre-trib and we believe in a literal millennium, millennial kingdom. By the way, you, you, if you need to know languages, Malay is the Greek word for a thousand annum years, thousand years. So it's six times we're going to find that, that the word of God speaks about a thousand year reign. Now I ask you. If in the Word of God, in, in 10 or 12 verses, if it, if it says that Jesus is going to reign for a thousand years, can I ask you a question? Is Jesus going to reign for a thousand years? So, so either you believe that there's a, and there's a promise that's going to be fulfilled where Christ, you see, he don't even, right now Christ who ascended to the Father, he's at the Father's right hand. He's not on the throne yet. He's at, the right, he's at the Father's right hand. One day, he's going to rule from a throne. And we believe that throne to be ruling from Jerusalem. He's going to rule the world. And this is a passage, you know, this is a whole concept when the lamb and the lion lay together, and there'll be righteousness. Now, folks, there'll still be sinners on the earth, and I'll talk about that in just a second. Now, before I go there, with your Bibles open to Revelation chapter, I have a folder with me, and I have that for a reason. For some reason, I, got, I had a wild hair this week, and I decided to clean up my office. I didn't make much progress, but, but I did clean out one of my file cabinets. And in my hand is, is the, okay, let me just say, when I was in high school, I took an F in speech, because I would not get up and speak. Failed the class. Okay, now this is later, I'd been saved a couple of years. Now, I have a weird education, so I went to Bible college, went to Crystal. Then I came back and went to Jack State. Then I went, now, now don't get Faulkner, but it wasn't the same Faulkner here. Back then it was called the Faulkner State Junior College, and it was down in Baymanette. Then it was only in Baymanette, anybody that knows the area down there. I know you know. So I went there, and this is a, I was taking classes at night in Baymanette at Faulkner. Wasn't it called Faulkner State Junior College, something like that? Anyway, so I was down there taking, and this is, this is my speech. Now, you don't care about the speech. I'm not going to give you the speech. But the topic, this was in 1982. That's a long time ago. Man, if I had the energy I had then. Wow. That's 1982, and, and I did a thing on, now it's in 1982. My speech was on television and its influence on children. In 1982. And I had some good points to make. But here are the TV. <laughs> what was funny? This is a funny. These are the TV shows I brought up in the course of the speech. I, I talked about 
how long, how long children watch TV. Think about what they do now with all the different kind of screens they have. How long they watch, how it affects their development, their personalities, and also how it affects their morality. So that was my three major points. How long, how it affects their personality, and how it affects their morality. But here, here are the TV shows I, I put in. Uh, Love Boat. By the way, I used to call it, my pastor called it Lust Boat. Everybody was fornicating on the boat. I don't know if you ever paid attention to that. Lust Boat, Different Strokes, uh, Dallas. <laughs> it's quite funny now. Think about how, and now my whole point is, that I, this has nothing to do with Revelation 20. I know that. Think about how worse it is. How, do you remember how scandalous Dallas was? People sleeping around, killing people. It was, it was just, anyway, scantily clad. Hey, here's one, Three's Company. You know, those short short shows. I never watched it, but people told me about it. <laughs> Flamingo Road. I don't even remember what that was about. Dynasty. And anyway, and then back then, and I'll stop here, because they said prime time, then they would show the nastier stuff after 7 or 8 when the kids were in bed. It said that almost a million children were awake from midnight to 2 a.m. Now, this was in 1982 or 83. A million children would be awake between midnight and 2 o'clock in the morning when the bad stuff would be on. And you just think about how worse it is today. What, not just the children, but what, what we face, we face, what our eyes, I think about our warning, uh, the, the three warnings in, in 1 John 2, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life are the three means of temptation. You think about what our eyes are, are exposed to now compared to where they were, you know, back in 1982 and 83. So the struggle, folks, I say all that to say this, the struggle's not getting easier. The struggle's getting harder. And I think the struggle has kind of done us a favor. It's weaned the church of just attending. Did you hear what I, you know what I mean by that? It's weaned, not completely, but it's weaned the church of just attenders. People that would come maybe just for the social stuff and not for the meat, not for discipleship, but for the social stuff. The, the world has called them and been beckoning to them to be more worldly, and they've chosen that now, and so the church means nothing to them. I was telling my Sunday school class, I doing reading these articles about the effects of COVID. The statistics have really changed for church life after COVID. Let me give you some of those. 30%, almost 30, now this is nationwide. There was three surveys or three, like Barna, and there's a couple others, and they meshed them together to get these statistics. So in some places, this would not be true here, but it might be true in California or, or New Jersey or somewhere. But 30, it has affected church attendance, 30%. They're saying nationwide, now this is a Protestant, 30% of attenders are not coming back, statistically nationwide, since COVID. So some churches have lost 30% of attendance since COVID. 65% of evangelicals, now these are Protestants, not evangelicals, these are Protestants, these are not Catholics, 
These are Protestants that were surveyed. 65% of those surveyed doubt the incarnation of Jesus Christ. 30% do not believe Jesus is coming back at all. 50% don't even know what the Great Commission is. Matter of fact, they couldn't even tell you that it was in a gospel. Folks, if they don't know where it is, they certainly don't know what it is, is it? There's that 50%. Now, that wouldn't be true in here. You know what the Great Commission is. Now, you might not be able to tell me this in Matthew 28, but you would know what it's saying. More than 50%. I mean, we wouldn't have 50% that didn't. 50% don't know about the Great Commission. Over 50%, and this is just the moral of the case, 50% believe that premarital sex and living together is okay. Now, this... These are statistics that are coming from the church. And this is from people that are saved. I'm active in a church. And, the, and these are some of the things. And so it, this group that did these surveys were alarmed at the post-COVID collapse of theology. That those that they're surveying, it's lot, the theology that was what they used to believe, uh, it seems to be the church is no longer believing. Well, folks, there's a reason for us to believe and obey. Now, it's the Holy Spirit's in us, the Word of God demands it, fellowship of the believers, the work of the church, all those things are true. But we're getting towards the end of the story when you get to Revelation 20. You're getting towards the end of the story. And this is where, finally, the rubber is on the road, and we're getting to our final destination. And, and it's literal. See, this is a literal kingdom Jesus is planning on ruling. It's a literal kingdom with literal people, but it's also a kingdom that you and I are a part of, and we literally have responsibility. Again, let me say that. Jesus will, unless you don't take this literally, and there, again, what I'm saying is half of Protestants don't. They don't believe this is, they don't believe this is literal, but we do. That Jesus one day is going to rule on this earth. By the way, he's going to fulfill, there's some promises that he, made to, that, that he made to Israel that haven't been fulfilled, they will be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom, this thousand-year reign. So this is, this is where the rubber ends. This is where the road ends. This is why we follow Jesus and obey Jesus, because one day he's going to rule and we're going to rule. Listen, we're going to rule with him. Many of you don't believe that, but we're going to rule with him. And I'm telling you, I can prove now, and we're going to sit here, that what you're doing now has everything to do with what you're going to do in then. Now, let me explain one other thing. When Jesus returns to this earth, battle of Armageddon, not much of a battle, is it? Jesus speaks, and his words destroy the enemy at the end of the tribulation, seven years tribulation. He comes. The nations are rising up against Israel. Israel calls out for mercy according to the book of Zechariah. Jesus speaks. He just annihilates. He burns them up. He annihilates all the enemies of Israel. He lands on the earth, and he ends up in Jerusalem after a couple things happen, and he sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem, and that's where he's going to rule. Now, this is after the seven years of tribulation, at the end of the so when Jesus comes back, now this is what you got to think. There are going to be people that got saved during the tribulation. And they got saved and they, they didn't get murdered. They didn't take the mark. 
they weren't found they didn't get executed and so there's going to be people who who live are still in the flesh you with me they haven't they don't have a glorified body right they survived the tribulation and so they're going to populate the earth right so Jesus and, and those of us that rule with him are going to orchestrate and, and control the world. And Jesus is going to reign. And, and this, so there's going to be nations, because Jesus calls the nations to have to, if you read this in Zechariah, he even, and we'll read this at some point, he calls the nations to come to Jerusalem a couple of times a year. They, so they representatives have to come to Jerusalem. This is in the millennial kingdom, because he's ruling. They have to come to Jerusalem. But he's reigning for a thousand years. Let's pick up in Revelation. And there's three or four reasons uh, for the sake of time. I just want to mention three or four things that we know from reading this. Um, it says, uh, beginning at verse 1, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit. And a great chain, and a great chain, and, and he seized the dragon. That ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abuso or the pit or hell. And he shut it and he sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw, now here it is. This is where you pick up. Okay, so, so how, how is it going to be heaven on earth? Now, again, let me say this. It's not going to be completely perfect. Now, we'll be perfect because we'll be in glorified. But can you imagine not having a sin nature? Let me say that again. Can you imagine not having a sin nature? You're not judgmental. You're, you, you, there are no lusts, no desires. You're per, the, there's no sin, no anger. There's no sin nature because you're in a glorified body. You are like Christ. But on this earth, there's going to be, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be as close to perfect as it can be because Christ is going to rule with righteousness. We're going to be ruling with righteousness with him, but yet there's going to be sinners on this earth. And and so, it, so when but when there is sin, sin will be dealt with in a quick and 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 in a a, a quick and a, a biblical model. I mean, sin's not going to linger. Um, so, and by the way, you'll go back to a, like a, a pre a pre sin uh, Garden of Eden. I mean, people will start living to be hundreds and hundreds of years old. And like I mentioned earlier, this is when the lamb and the lion lay together. I mean, so there'll be peace on the earth. Anyway. So Satan's been bound. So even on the earth, Satan is not going to be bothering and tempting and, and all that. The demons are going to be locked up. So there's not going to be any exterior uh, temptations. But people still sin because they have the Adamic nature. That, again, help me. Do you understand what I'm saying? So they still, so they got saved. They're in human form. They're, in, they're human. They get saved. They survive the tribulation. And, and still alive, and this is why Jesus said, if he didn't cut it short, all those judgments and all those the catastrophes, no flesh would be saved. There has to be flesh saved to to populate the millennial kingdom. 
But Satan and the demons and all of them are held back. They're bound for a thousand years. But yet there's, these people are carrying this damnation. And the book of James tells us that's our worst enemy. Your worst enemy is not Satan. Your worst enemy is you. That's what the book of James says. So there will be sin on this earth, and we're going to help Jesus rule the world with righteousness. It's just what we're going to do. But knowing that there's going to be much more righteousness and all that is because Satan's been bound. So then he says, then, and here it is. Look at your Bibles. I want you to notice the, the rewards for the faithful. This, we, he starts out laying out how, it's gonna, how the millennial kingdom's going to be ruled. Now, folks, this is the verse I really never, I don't know where I was the other day, Wednesday night. I think I told the people here Wednesday night. I never comprehended this. Now, I've taught this my whole life because other passages tell us this, but I've never seen this in the book of Revelation. So I want you to notice what verse 4, so there's personal, so this is what he says. Then I saw thrones. And by the way, I, you immediately know that these thrones have to be related to the church because if you go way back in the book of, in the book of Revelation, the elders, the elders who represent the church are also affiliated with thrones, okay? So, and I saw thrones, okay? Thrones where? Well, where's, it's on the earth, right? Thrones. There's more than one throne. Do you see that? There's one Jesus, right? He's going to rule from his throne in Jerusalem, right? By the way, and there is also the, your, your, the, the heavenly Jerusalem. That is where your mansion is. It's going to be somewhere above us, you know, where he goes to prepare a place for you. That place is different from the earth, but we'll get on. That's another story. So he saw thrones and seated. Are you looking at your Bible? And seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Now, for the life of me, I do wish more was said about how we're going to govern the millennial kingdom. I wish there was more said. But what is said here is that there's going to be thrones and there's going to be judgment. And people are going to have authority and that authority is going to be given to them based on what they've done now. It says, then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. So, and that, again, the rest of the New Testament tells us things we ought to be doing to obey biblical scriptures the life of Christ and obeying Christ's likeness. But what this verse tells us is that Jesus is going to delegate ruling authority. That's what this verse says. I don't know who, I don't know where, I don't know how, but what I do know about this is it's based on how you live now. If you're pathetic, disobedient, a rebel, uncaring about God's word, not a part, not, I mean, not unfaithful to his church, you're not going to be seated on a throne ruling people when you've been so disobedient. Now, the Bible talks about places of service and, and all that other stuff. But right here, at least I want you to know that there is obviously a reward for the faithful. There's, in the millennial kingdom, there's obviously a reward for the faithful. So, folks, I want you to know is what you do now matters. 
And for a thousand years, now think about this. For us, we're in our glorified bodies. We've, we've seen Jesus face to face on many occasions. We've been transferred into his image. No temptation, no sin. And for a thousand years, we're going to be, we're going to have a role in a kingdom that Jesus rules. And I want you to know, that role is started now. It's not arbitrary. It's not arbitrary. He, he's not going to take the, he's not going to take the unfaithful and put them in places of leadership in the millennial kingdom. Because this kingdom is, from his standpoint, the perfect kingdom. It's going to be ruled in righteousness. And though you will be perfect and though you'll be glorified and you won't have a sin nature, but if you've been unfaithful here, how can he put you in the position of leadership there? It says, to whom the authority to judge was committed. So number one, it teaches reward. Okay, let's move on. So it says, and I saw the thrones and seated on the th were those whose the authority was judged was committed. And I saw the souls. This is another group of people. Okay. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast. Now, now you're talking about people that went through the tribulation. So there's been a lot of Christians beheaded, right, in persecution. There are millions of Christians martyred all over the place all, every year. You know, hundreds of thousands of Christians martyred every year. Some of them beheaded. History of Christians in the first century, thousands and thousands of Christians were, were beheaded. But here it says they had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus. So now it's talking about another group of people. It says, and the word of God, for the word of God, and those who had worshipped, had not worshipped the beast. So now you know, the first group of people were those that are saved people that's been raptured and been in glory and came with Christ at the Battle of Armageddon with the horses and Jesus sets up his kingdom and then he, he, he puts us in places of, of, of service and leadership. But there's another group of people that were, that were martyred during the tribulation because they didn't take the mark or the image of his name. Now, folks, let me ask you. If I don't believe this to be literal, I mean, you know I do, what, what, can, what can this be? You know, um, Reformed theology is, and I love Reformed theology, but, but they, they don't believe this to be literal. But you know, everything else in the New Testament they take to be literal. I believe this to be literal. So if it's not literal, what in the world is he talking about? What does a thousand years stand for? When Jessica stood up and said, we had VBS last, how else could you interpret that? We had VBS last week. Well, this text says rain for a thousand years. I don't understand. And then where did these martyrs, who are these martyrs? Who do they stand for? Is this an image of something? No, it's literal. So these people were martyred. And, of course, we'll get into that. Take it. We're going to get into the mark again. But So, and you know, I mean, from reading the text and what little we've read about the mark of the beast, uh, you're pledging loyalty to the mark of the beast. So these people who refuse, they, they reject the Antichrist as the, as the new Savior. They will not take his mark. Of course, now, you know, 50 years ago, you'd read this and couldn't figure out how people could keep up with people and how the world, how the government could figure out where you were and force you to take a mark. 
I mean, it's, it's right now. I mean, they're knocking on doors wanting us to take vaccines now. So there, there's going to come a time when, I mean, this is nothing. So they want you to take the mark and pledge loyalty to the Antichrist. But if you do, you go to hell. You know that. That's what the book of Revelation says that. Everybody who takes the mark of the beast goes to hell. So, so these, you and these people have not taken the mark, and they've been martyred. They do not worship the beast or his image. And remember about his image, you know, that speaks, they, and the false prophet promotes it. You know, they, they all fashion. It seems like there's one big image, and then there's people are encouraged to make their own image at home, and it speaks. Think about how, you know, digital, TV, all that. So, so they didn't do that, and they did not receive its mark on their forehead or on their hand. It says they came to life. Is that not right? Because Jesus is the resurrection. Am I right? Is he not the first fruits of the resurrection? Right? And everybody who knows him is going to have a physical resurrection. So these folks that believed in Christ during the tribulation who were martyred for the cause of Christ, Jesus resurrects. But it's a different group. But he's going to reward them. Look what it says. They came to life. And what did they do? You can read it. And they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So the church is going to be reigning with Christ for a thousand years. Then those that are saved with, during the tribulation, that refused to take the mark, that were martyred for Christ, beheaded, however it was, they're resurrected, they receive new bodies, they're glorified, and they reign with Christ for a thousand years. Notice that's the second time we've mentioned a thousand years millennium, millennium, thousand years. So, so who, wh wh is, this, is this just a picture of a thousand years? What is it? It's literally a thousand years. So you notice from those two passages, God's rewarding the faithful. The church, the martyred, and the tribulation. He rewards them, gives them positions of responsibility. Let's keep reading. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for how long? For a thousand years. So they will reign with him for a thousand years. So number one, the text tells us beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is going to reward those who are faithful to him. And you're assigned a place in the thousand year reign. You're reigning with him. You're assigned a place based on your service now. Let me tell you a couple of things some people don't realize. Not only that, when does he in the, in the in the thousand year reign, does he reward people that are saved? You know, faithful people. He rewards them. Uh, also, you've heard, and this is true. We get crowned. We're rewarded for serving Jesus. The, the Bible says, you know, there's there's this judgment. Uh, there's a great white throne judgment, and and we get rewards. We're judged. We get rewards. Not the great white throne, I'm sorry, the judgment seat of Christ. And we, we get rewards. And, and, and a matter of fact, it even says that our robe is adorned. There, we have a robe that's given to us because we're married to him. That's, that's Revelation 19. But it says our robe is adorned by our righteous acts. 
So, so obviously, even ex- from the outside, reigning with these white robes, if that's what we wear all the time, it's almost like the military, you know, the badges and pins and knowing the rank. So, so, so it, it, there's going to be some kind of ruling identity because God is faithful to reward those. But not only that, I want you to know that the Bible tells us that he's going to redeem creation. We, we know that we fail. We, we live with being fallen and being frail and death, and we know that we fail. But one of the things a lot of people don't realize is why are there tornadoes and why are there tsunamis and why are there hurricanes and why, is, why do bad things, you know, avalanches? and wh- Why does that happen? It's because when, when, when sin entered the world and God cursed man, you can read this in Genesis, not only did God curse man, but God cursed the earth. And w- go to Romans. Hold your finger here at Revelation 20. We've only got five minutes. but So we know, number one, the millennial kingdom, there is a reward for those that are faithful. Number two, that in the millennial kingdom, that thousand years, because there's going to be a new heaven and new earth afterwards, the new heaven and the new earth. Now, this is because after the thousand years, something's going to happen. But number one, he rewards the faithful. Number two, he's going to redeem creation. That means creation is going to be perfected, you know. Um, go to, what did I say? Romans. Go to Romans 8. I know it's a big book. I didn't tell you 8. Go to Romans chapter 8 and look what, um, so part of that you read in the Old Testament, you know, where the lamb and the lion lay together. And, and, um, but look at what goes on in creation has been longing to be restored. It's like creation is given, the created order, you know, the world and nature. Somehow, it's not Mother Nature. I'm not saying that, that we don't believe in Mother Nature is a stupid thing to say. But creation has this life of it because God made it, and, and it's been burdened. Look at uh, chapter 8. Look at verse, uh, look at verses 18. Uh, he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present, uh, Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time not to be, not, are not, oh, I wish I could read, of this present time, I'm trying to do it quickly, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be, uh, to be revealed to us, okay? The sufferings of this world can in no way compare to the glorified body. So, suffer temporary. It may seem like it's horrible, but Paul's saying it is absolutely nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Okay? Some translations say, you know, look what it says. For the creation, for the creation, because it was cursed, you know, weeds and thorns, but not only weeds and thorns, and lots of other corrupt things. He says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Now think about that. Why is creation longing for me and you to reign on this earth? Because it's going to be restored. Creation, there won't, the weeds are going to go, what I'm saying, bad fruit, bad harvested, all that's going to go away. Do you know that God promised every, and again, this is in, this is in the Old Testament, and I, I don't, Ezekiel and Zechariah, 
that, that the nations are going to be blessed with all these harvesters, but they're going to harvest, their, their, their productivity is going to be incredible. God's going to provide for them everything they would ever want, the rain. But if they're disobedient for him, to him, and if a nation is, if a group of people are considered disobedient, God stops the rain. But as long, and this is all part of millennial kingdom, he can do that. But what I'm saying is creation, so what's another thing that happens? Well, he, he basically redeems creation. So, you know, better, no more tornadoes, no more tsunamis. Those things are passed away. He restores the created order. Number three, we've got to hurry. We've got two minutes. So in the millennial kingdom, and there's so much more we can talk about, he, he rewards the faithful. Number two, he redeems creation. Number three, he recognizes God's promises. Now, when people talk, when people talk about Jesus in a millennial kingdom, do you know the very birth narrative? This is what I'm saying. You may not believe this. You may not believe in a thousand-year reign. You may not believe that Jesus is literally going to be on this earth, Jesus Christ in a glorified body. We're going to be with him, and we're going. You may not believe it, but but you have to do something with like the birth narrative, because when Gabriel speaks to Mary. He tells Mary that this son of God that she's carrying and going to give birth to is going to reign from the throne of David in Jerusalem. Has Jesus, did Jesus ever reign from Jerusalem on a throne? Did he? No. So that promise has yet to be fulfilled, right? When we say the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. To earth as it is in heaven. Has, has, is, is the kingdom of God here on the earth? No, it's in my heart. It's in you, but it's not here. So just those two truths tell us that Jesus has to come and has to rule. Three things, and I have a fourth, and this is the issue that scares me. So he rewards the faithful. He redeems creation. We finally, the world recognizes the, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He finally rules. And the fourth thing that's kind of gut-wrenching is that it, it reaffirms the depravity of man. Now, let me say it again. It reaffirms the depravity of man. Now, I want you to take your Bibles. You still have them open. Look at verse 7. You're saying, why does this happen? Why, why does this happen after the thousand years of absolute perfection on the earth? God rules, there, there, and I'm not going to say nobody ever kills anybody because I don't know what's going to happen with people's sin nature. But if there is, it'll be a swift and, and biblical judgment. But if you're thinking they're going to live in a world that's at peace and, and prosperity and, and just awesome, heaven on earth, really. But after a thousand years, you have these people that they've passed on the history of, by the way, and people still need to be saved. The moms and dads will have children. And those children aren't born saved. Guess what they're born with? A sin nature. And so the gospel will still be being preached. There's, there's even references that there'll be sacrifices in Jerusalem and so people can talk about Jesus. But, it, but anyway, so the, they'll still have to repent and believe that Christ is the Son of God. But, but after a thousand years of absolute perfection, and, 
people passing along the words of their children and, and all that. But all of a sudden, it says, when the thousand years is up, and you look at your Bible, Satan will be released from his prison. And he will come out to deceive the nation. So there'll still be nations, right? You know, there'll still be continents and, you know, and so, and, and again, think about that, okay? Who's ruling and where are you going to serve? Where are you going to be serving? I mean, where are you going to be traveling to? I don't know. We're going to be, so, so, so he's going to come out and he's going to deceive the nations. And it's interesting that even his first plan is, is to have these demons and fallen angels, um, manipulate nations now you know there's a sign to try to deceive rulers of nations and kings now so he comes out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth gog and magog that's basically the term for an enemy of, of of god in israel to gather them for battle and their number is like the sand of the sea and they will march up the broad plain of the earth and surround the camp of the saints and the beloved city. Now, folks, it sounds like there's going to be this vast multitude. These are humans. Now, Satan's not human. He's a fallen angel. But he's not God. He's a fallen angel. But there's going to get, there's going to, uh, he's going to gather together this vast, multitude of nations people are going to rebel from all kind of nations they're going to gather together these are humans thinking and they know we're ruling with christ we're in glorified bodies they can't do anything to us we'll probably have some power they think they're going to march to jerusalem and overthrow jesus isn't that not stupid isn't that stupid do you know what we call that deceived but people are deceived today. Folks, there's so much revelation out there that Jesus is who he says he is. Even the power of God in this place sees that. What's going on in some of your minds and hearts sees this. This, this is reality. So, so what does this do? Why does this happen? I don't know all the reasons why this happens, but I know one reason. It tells me how wicked human nature is. Am I right? Think about that. A thousand years of perfection. No starvation, no tornadoes, no crime waves, no bad economies. And for a thousand years, you've been at peace. And then the devil shows up and ma the masses, the masses rebel. And they not only rebel, they think they can conquer Christ. So they go to Jerusalem to defeat him. They're out of their mind. And he's gonna, and they all—they know history. They know what's going to have happened at the end of the tribulation. But for some reason, they're going to be duped into thinking their outcome is going to be different. So there they go marching or flying or however they want to do it, and and Jesus takes them. But I want you to know it show it reaffirms the depravity of man. So there's four things, and we'll close with this. God in the thousand year reign, God's going to reward the faithful. This this is why studying the seven churches here is very important. He's going to redeem creation. He's going to recognize, the, the, he's finally going to recognize the ruling place of Christ where those promises made in prophecy, Jesus is going to fulfill. And the fourth thing is it reaffirms, it reaffirms 
the, the depravity of man. Um, take your Bibles and go take go to the, you want to go to Second Peter. Okay, take a left. You'll pass Revelation. You'll pass to John. Go take a left, and you'll come to Peter. I want to go to Second Peter. I think this is right. I, I may be wrong. I may have wrote this down. I'm pretty sure it is wrong. I may have to quote it. Don't give up on me. This is going to be a terrible end if I don't find the verse. Let me tell you the story and I'll be quick. Somewhere in 2 Peter, <laughs> I had to say that. I didn't, obviously, the cross references. Peter's talking about, he references, remember when God took him, uh, Peter, James, and John went up on the Mount of Transfiguration? Remember this? I, I know you know the story. And Jesus is transfigured. And in this transfiguration, two people showed up Moses and Elijah, who we think may be the two men that show up, the witnesses in the book of Revelation. But they're. And, and Peter, Peter, so Peter's referencing, so only those three men, Peter, James, and John, saw that. And as a matter of fact, Peter is so moved, he wants to build three altars as a place of worship there, right? Well, anyway, when Peter, somewhere in Second Peter, he references that experience. But then he says, we have something greater. He says, I have something greater than that experience. And the word says a more sure word than that experience. And what he's talking about is the scriptures. Folks, if Jesus says it, if it says it in this book, it's going to happen. So when the Bible says that he's going to reign for a thousand years and believers will reign with him, is that going to happen? Right? And folks, right now, we've started. We've started preparing for that thousand years. We, we're here, we're, we're, at one, we're at the first stages of eternity. There's a lot more living in the future than there is now. A lot more ahead of us. But our faithfulness matters. Amen? Let's stand together for our benediction. Thank you so much for being here. God's good. And we'll be back in Revelation 14 next Sunday. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, bless, uh, bless your word to our hearts today. Thank you for salvation god thank you that there's there's a whole plan laid out for for those of us that follow christ lord i pray that every everything that we do that will be sheltered in our minds about what's going to happen in the days to come that one day on this earth you're going to reign and by the grace of god we're going to reign with you and lord help us now to make preparations for reigning with christ on this earth for a thousand years. We love you and we thank you for salvation in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you all so much. Have a great afternoon. Don't forget about the service will be at 1.